Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. As we go through this series, Choose Joy from the book of Philippians, there's four chapters. And each week I'm going to be preaching a message from the chapter. So today is chapter one, next Sunday chapter two, three, and four. And and I got to thinking about it um, the other day and I really feel like that as a church, both here and in Houston, we need to read the word together. So I've asked my beautiful wife to come and lead us in reading uh, the book of Philippians. Today we're going to read through chapter one. I know it's a little long But I feel like there's such strength in us reading the word together, just like when we sing together. So I'm thankful Nancy's with me today. Amen. I'm happy to be here. It's so good to see all of the faces here at Friendswood and in Houston. I don't see your face, but I feel your spirit. And I know that you've already had an incredible time of worship. We've had an incredible time of worship here this morning. Didn't you enjoy that this morning? Wow, I love, I love the presence of God. Um, James has asked me to read, Pastor Jim has asked me to read the first chapter of Philippians. And I, I agree with him. And I was going to say it if he didn't say it. There's power in reading the Word together. How many of you have ever read the Word and it just fed your soul, fed your spirit? And that's what the Word of God does. So we're going to be reading in the New King James Version. If you want to, if you have a New King James Version or not, you can read it in your Bible or on your YouVersion app. So let's begin together. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in the knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. But I want you to know, brethren, and the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? 
only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart, to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and death from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. This is a powerful word of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so every week we want to be reading through that chapter for that week. And I, I would just encourage you, as we go through this week, take that second chapter of the book of Philippians. Take time to, to read through it. Because as we go through these sermons, um, we're not necessarily going to go verse by verse but we will talk about the themes of the chapter. And, and I just want to say something about studying the book of Philippians. I've been studying it now for several years, really intensely over the last several weeks, preparing for this particular sermon series. And, and it's just a, it's a beautiful book to read. It only takes about 15 or 20 minutes to read through it. And, and as we jump into data, this first chapter... My real desire and burden is that you understand the context of what this scripture is, is all about and also the content. It's, it's something that I would love for us to keep, get deep down inside of our heart uh, as we face the situations that our, life brings our way. Um, the, the church in Philippi, let's just talk about that for a moment. It, it is the first church that Paul started in uh, Europe. It was planted by him. Uh, he, he's the one that went in with Silas and, and they had meetings and then they were walking the streets. And, and maybe you've heard the story where they were uh, arrested and thrown in jail and beaten, and, and it was at midnight that they began to sing and praise God, and, and the Lord miraculously delivered them, and instead of running out of the prison, they stayed and testified, and, and that was the really the beginning of this incredible church. You can find that story in the book of Acts chapter 16, and so as Paul is writing now, he is writing to a church that has been established. It's not a new church anymore. It's uh, 10 to 12 years old. And, and, and he's trying to help them mature in Christ. So, so this is really a, a big part of an established church is to not rest and not say we've made it, 
but to say, Lord, help us to mature in the things that you have for us. And that's what Paul has really written here to the church in Philippi. There there are six major things that he talks to them about in uh, maturing. And I'm not going to take time to teach all of those today or even this series. I probably will go back and and, uh, talk about that in some other lesson. But, But this letter was really just to encourage them Uh, It was to to teach them that no matter what the circumstances were, to choose joy. No matter what went on in their life, that joy was something that they needed to have in their life and that they could choose joy. And as they chose to live in joy, they would begin to understand the, the depths of what God has for them. Now, one of the amazing historical facts about this letter to the church in Philippi is that Paul is writing to encourage them and teach them to choose joy while he is in prison in Rome. So he, he's actually uh, been taken to Rome. He's been thrown into this prison and, and, and as he is in prison, the words are just coming out of him to the church in Philippi about how they should choose joy in the middle of all of their circumstances, in the middle of all of the things that happens to them. And and just in this short four-chapter book, this letter to the church, he mentions the word rejoice 16 different times. He is encouraging them to rejoice. He's encouraging them while he is in this prison while he is chained to a guard beside him, which we read today uh, uh, in that first chapter. We, we see him uh, telling them to rejoice. Now, now he just wasn't in prison. He was also awaiting execution. And, and that could have come at any time on the whim of uh, the, the Caesar that was in, in a, a charge at that moment. And, and, and this is what's really beautiful to me about his writing and about how he encourages them to choose joy. One of the beautiful things about it is uh, Paul actually had a vision of going to Rome. And, and if you read the first chapter of his letter to the Roman church, you'll, you'll find that beautiful vision of how I'm going to come and I'm going to meet you. He had never been there before and, and he had heard about him and he, he couldn't wait to get there. And, and I'm sure that in the vision of Paul, there was this uh, going into Rome and going from house to house and greeting them and, and spending time in the synagogues and then to preach the gospel wherever he could in Rome. And, and yet, when, when we read this, we understand that the situation that he's in is completely different than what he dreamed or even had a vision of. He is not there as a visiting evangelist. He's not there as someone that is going from house to house. He he came to the city in chains. He was thrown into a jail. And, And I think that as we look at it and see that his vision and his plans and his dream hasn't come true, and yet he's telling us to choose joy, there is just a simple message here that is so powerful, and that is when things don't go the way you plan for them to go. Anybody ever had your plans completely derailed? Let me just see your hand if you've ever had your plans just completely changed. And and, and even though your plans don't go the way that you think they should go, even when your visions don't go the way that you think that they're going to happen, the message here is to choose joy. To choose joy. In the middle of all of those circumstances. And, and I don't want to start reading. And I, I know we've already read. But I want to jump in to the third verse. And I, uh, Paul has given his uh, hello and, and salutations. And, and then he really starts into the meat of this letter when he says, I thank my God. I thank my God. Everybody say, thank you, Lord. Now, I just want to say something here before we continue with this verse. If you were in prison, if you were chained, if you hadn't had the things that you dreamed about happen and instead you're living this, you're living this completely different reality of, of, of being incarcerated, is that how you would start your letter? I thank my God. 
Isn't that beautiful how at the very beginning he is so full of thanksgiving. He's so full of joy. And, and, and I just have to say, that's not normal humanity. That's not nature of man to get in the middle of a bad situation and say, oh, I thank my God. I, 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 I think that most of the time when we're in those circumstances that don't go the way that we are, instead of being thankful, mainly we cry, we complain. I'm going to use an old word here. We bellyache. Ever, anybody ever heard the word bellyache? just where you just, ah, 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 ah. you just, it, it's nothing, no, poor, poor, pitiful me, and, 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 and look at Paul here in the middle of all of these things that are happening that don't go the way that he wants them to go, and he is thanking God. Now, now listen, Life Church, listen, Houston campus, Friendwood's, Friendswood campus, this is the journey that this sermon series is going to take us on. And if you'll dig in and if you'll study the word with me and if you'll, if you'll take notes and if you'll pray about this, this journey that we, we're going to go on is that when we have bad days, and, and guess what, we're going to have bad days. There are days that are not going to be the way that we want them to be. They're not going to go the way that we want them to go. And I'm sorry to tell you that. If that's what you expected, I want to let you know right up front that that's not the way that things go. There are bad days. But one of the marks, one of the attributes, the characteristics of someone that is maturing in Christ is, is how we respond on those bad days and how we walk with God during those bad days. So let's go back to the scripture. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy. <laughs> he's still, he's still in prison, but as he's making requests for them, as he's praying for them, he's praying with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. When, when, when a guy is writing this, uh, that, that ha things haven't gone the way that he thought they were going to go, when, when he can say, but I have confidence that even though it may have not gone the way that you think it was going to go, I know that God is working. Hey, I've got a great revelation for you. Even when you don't see him, he's working. Even when you don't feel him, he's working. And the meat of the word that Paul is giving us here today is that when things don't go the way that you believe they would go, God is still at work and God is still in your life and God is still with you every step of the way. I love the rock solid faith that Paul has here. When things have not gone as the way that he thought they should go, he still in his spirit sees the potential of the church in Philippi. He still sees that God has great things for him and for the church. And, and, and I know, uh, I, I asked myself as I was studying this, how can he have that attitude? How can he have this spirit? And, and, and this is what I believe. I believe that Paul had something that was greater than happiness. Everybody say happiness. I mean, we are in a nation that is pursuing happiness. We are in a nation that is constantly seeking happiness. But Paul had something that was greater than happiness. Paul had joy. He had joy. And joy is so much, there's so much difference between the two. And I'm going to take a few moments here and just kind of break it down. If you're pursuing happiness... Happiness is something that is external. It is determined by what is happening around you. It's determined by the Astros winning, the, the Texans winning. And, and if, that's, if that is your pursuit of happiness, I, I feel for you. I, I really do. 
uh, the, 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 your pursuit of happiness involves when you walk outside, if it's too hot, if it's too cold, if it's raining, if it's sunshiny, if your pursuit of happiness revolves around the fact that you have a nice car and that your car doesn't have a door ding in it, then, then I've got bad news for you. People at Target don't care about your car. And Walmart and and, and Neiman Marcus, and wherever you go, people are going to put a door ding in your car. That's not what we should have happiness about. And that, that's what some people think. Everything that is about them that is happy is determined by the external. But joy is something that is internal. Joy is something that is not affected by what happens around me. It is something deep inside of me. And, and, and when, you, when you look at this, I, I want you to understand that, that uh, Paul is qualified to teach this. I, I know some people say, well, that's easy for you to say, Pastor. You don't understand the bad days that I've had in my life. And, and just uh, to, to let you know, I've, I've had a few bad days myself. But nothing to compare with Paul, the author of this book. When, when, I, when I look at Paul and, and when he really talks about all of the things he went through in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he gives a long list of all of the situations and circumstances that he has gone through. He was beaten by rods is what the scripture says. I, I, I can remember a few uh, spankings when I was younger, uh, but I, wouldn't it be horrible to have someone hold a rod, a, a, a man that had been trained and and hit you 39 times. And he didn't have that just once, but twice he had that happen. He, he was shipwrecked. And, and he, had to, he had to swim to shore. He was fighting for his life. And, and guess what happens when he gets to shore? He's fixing a fire and a snake bites him. I, that, that just qualifies as a pretty bad day. Amen? That, that qualifies as a day that, that didn't go right. He was stoned. And, and, and I'm talking about those hard objects that you pick up off the ground and, and people throw them at you. Not, not recreationally. He was, he was all in and gave himself uh, to be stoned. I, I'm just telling you that Paul has had some tough days. He, he's had some tough days. And when he talks about choosing joy, we can see that even after he lists all of the things that have happened to him in 2 Corinthians, he then goes on to say in chapter 4 and verse 16 and 18, therefore, we do not lose heart. Everyone say, we don't lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing. Even though there's situations and circumstances that are difficult, the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction. What? Back up, Paul. You've been beaten, stoned, shipwrecked, bitten by snakes. You, you've been left for dead and you call that a light affliction? He says, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Even when you don't see him working, he's working. Even when you don't feel him working, he's working. And Paul goes on to say, while we do not look at the things which are seen, the external things that are around us, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Eternal. Outward. That, that, that those things that are external cannot be what determines the path of my life. It cannot be what determines how I look at life. I have to have something inside of me that overcomes the moment, the situation. I can't let that be the thing that determines how my life is going to be. There's another difference between happiness and joy. And, and happiness is based on circumstances. Now, now, I want to just say this, and I don't want to offend anybody, but there are some people that part of your address is bad circumstances. You live there. 
That, that's all you talk about are the bad circumstances and the situation. And circumstance is, is from the Latin circumstare, and it just means the circle that, have, uh, that is around you. The things that are just here around you. And, and some people can never lift their eyes off of the things that are right around them and look at all of the good things that God is doing. Instead, they're so caught up at the circumstances. And anytime you talk to them, all they want to talk about is the bad circumstances they were in. I, I just want to give you a little uh, uh, an idea to put in your spirit and put in your mind. If the circumstances are bad, why don't you start... Start talking about how good God has been to you. I, I just wonder, is there anybody in the room that can give me a testimony that God is good? Even in the middle of the bad things, God is good. God is good. And people that are uh, basing their happiness is based on circumstances. You know what? They're at the mercy of what happens. They're at the mercy of what happens. There, there was a, a person that I knew, and I knew them for many, many years. And, and as a result, I was in many, many conversations with them. And, and as I do, I, I would normally start the conversation with them as, how are you doing today? And their response was, well, it's partly cloudy and there's a chance of rain. I, I must have heard them say that. 150 to 200 times over the years that I knew them. And I would always walk away and think, what a way to look at life that is partly cloudy and there's a chance of rain. I, I just couldn't understand why they wanted to live thinking that way. They were so controlled by the circumstances and, and, and happiness when it's controlled by circumstances is here one moment and gone the next moment. But joy is based on Christ. Joy is based on my relationship with Jesus Christ. Joy is based on what God is doing in my life. Joy is based on what God wants to accomplish in my life. And let me tell you something about how I walk with God. There's two things that the Lord does in my life. The first thing that he does is he makes a supernatural change in my life. There have been moments that I have gotten down to pray. And as I've prayed, God has changed my way of thinking. He's changed the situation. He's delivered me. He set me free. He's given me the victory over things. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Those instant transformations that God does in our life. Anybody have a testimony that God has done that for you? I love those moments. I love the fact that the power of God can come in and change me. And that is a supernatural moment. But there is another way that the Lord works in my life that is just as powerful and that is, he teaches me. He supernaturally teaches me. He matures me. He, he gives me the lesson that I need in my life at the exact moment that I need it. He helps me to understand things in the moment that I'm going through the trials. Paul said it here in Philippians chapter 4. I don't want to jump ahead, but, but uh, uh, we'll talk about this in a few weeks. But let me just read this verse for you today. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned. Everybody say learned. Paul, this amazing uh, uh, apostle of Jesus Christ, who, who talking about a transformational moment, he's knocked off of the horse he was riding on his way to Damascus. He's blinded. The spirit of the Lord speaks to him. He, he, he goes through incredible moments of transformation. However, he had to learn in whatever state that he was in to be content. That's powerful. It's powerful to learn something. It's powerful to see that, hey, I don't care what the circumstances are. I'm going to learn something from the Lord. Let me, let me give you one more difference between happiness and joy. All of my notes are on the YouVersion app if you want to follow them. If, if not, I hope you're taking notes. And, and this is the last thing that I want to say between happiness and joy. Happiness happens by chance. Just turn to your neighbor and say, by chance. In other words, I really have no control over it. I, it's not up to me. Happiness is when I let things that I can't control, control me. Again, I go outside if it's raining. That's going to determine if I'm happy or not happy. I, I go to work and if the coffee's stale, that's going to, and believe me, that is serious. I understand that. 
but that should not determine if I'm going to be happy or if I'm going to be sad. But when we seek happiness and pursue happiness, then what we're doing is turning our life over to things that we can't control. And we're actually controlled by that. But joy happens by choice. Joy is something that I choose. I choose it for every day in my life. It's up to me. I am going to choose joy. I am going to be the one that is going to walk in joy. And guess what happens when I choose joy? I have full control no matter what happens. I have full control no matter the circumstances, no matter the situations that I face. I have full control. So don't let the things that you can't control control you. Don't let the things that you can't control 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 you. Instead, make the choice, I'm going to live in joy. Listen to what the Word of God says in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse number 19. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you. Everybody say set before you. This is what God is saying. I've let you have a choice. Everybody in this place, we have a choice. And God has given us this ability to choose. We can choose life, Or we can choose death. We can choose blessing or cursing. And he says, therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. This is is so beautiful because what Paul is doing is he's just encouraging us. He's teaching us. He's telling us how to be a mature Christian. that, That we should choose joy no matter what happens in our life. Let's get back into the word here. And Paul says in verse number nine, and this I pray, and I just want to say that over the last couple of weeks, this is the same prayer that I've been praying for you. This is the same prayer that I've prayed for Life Church, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So as Paul is praying this, he starts teaching them. He starts teaching them some things. And I'm going to give you three steps here that I think will help you choose joy. And I think that this is what Paul is teaching here. And and number one, everybody say number one, stop asking why. Stop asking why. You you know, the, 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 the years that I've pastored, this is what I have found. That many people live in their why. That's all they can think about. Well, why Has this happened to me? And why hasn't this happened to me? And why did it go this way? And and why didn't I I, I get this situation? And why didn't... And and let me tell you something about being stuck in the whys. There's not a lot of answers there. I'm I'm just going to say that again because I want you to get this. When, when, When you're stuck in the whys, when your life revolves around asking, Why me? Why us? Why didn't this happen? There's not a lot of answers there. There's not a lot of epiphanies. Oh, now I understand everything. And and the truth is, we're not promised that we're going to understand things. We're not promised that we're going to have all good days. As a matter of fact, there is a promise that there's going to be bad days. Jesus actually said in John chapter 16 and 33, these things I have spoken to you that in me, in Jesus Christ, I may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. I I want to be in Jesus because when the world is in tribulation, and, and aren't we living in a world that is in tribulation? Aren't we living in a world that is constantly trying to steal joy and confuse? And uh, man, I, I'm telling you, the, the, the last year, last two years, I mean, it, just, it just seems like everything, division and hatred and anger and strife. And, and, and if I'm in the world, there's going to be tribulations, but I want to be in Christ. And he says, Jesus says, but be of good cheer. 
Be of good. In the time that there's tribulations and trouble, be of good cheer. And why should we do that? Because I have overcome the world. And when he says be of good cheer there, he's not talking about putting on one of those fake smiles. You know, anybody here like uh, Mr. Bean? You know, anybody? I, I like Mr. Bean. And, and that big smile he gets on, it's just so fake. And, and then when somebody turns, when, when he talks about being of good cheer, he's not talking about putting on a fake smile. The, the real meaning of that phrase in the original language is Take courage. <laughs> Be courageous in the middle of those times where you don't understand what's going on. It, it means that in the middle of those situations, I'm going to have hope. I am not going to be discouraged. I am not going to lose faith. I am going to live joyfully in the middle of every situation. I am going to leave the wise off. Don't ask why. Philippians 1 and 12 says, but I want you to know, brethren. I want you to know, brethren. I want you to know. Everybody say no. I want you to learn this, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Now tell me, human nature, don't you know people got together and said, I can't believe Paul's down there in prison. Can you believe he got arrested? I wonder what he really did. I wonder what the story really is. I mean, he's thrown in prison. Don't you know that there were people that were backbiting? And we'll see that here in just a few minutes in this chapter. And he's saying, yes, I'm in prison. Yes, I am in Rome and I don't want to be here like this, but this is what I've learned. I've learned that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. I love it. Paul refuses to ask why. And let me give you the second point. The second point is start asking what? Everybody say what? Start asking what? God, what are your plans for me in the middle of this situation? God, what is your purpose for me in the middle of this situation? Lord, I can't see you working, but what are you working in my life? And how can I get to your purpose? Listen, I, this is the secret to life. This is where I find joy when I see God's plans in the midst of difficult situations. That, that's maturity. That's following Christ. That's growing in Christ. When I start seeing what God really wants for me in the middle of difficult situations. And, and here's Paul in prison. And, and, and I want you to just think about this. The letter of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon were all written while he was in that prison. If you've ever thumbed through your Bible in the New Testament, you'll find these four books writing in a row because the, the books of the New Testament aren't given to us chronologically. They're given to us by things that happen. And these are the prison epistles of Paul. He, he writes these from prison. I'm so thankful for his stint in the slammer. I'm so thankful that he got pulled over and the red and blue said, get out of the car, buddy. You're going to jail. I'm so thankful because he's there. I have these incredible books that have made such an impact, not only on me and you, but Christianity through the ages. It's worked out for the Fotherins. I don't understand it, but while I'm here, guess what? I'm writing a letter to the church in Ephesus. And then the church in Ephesus teaches us that the gospel, the church is going to be born. It's going to be multi-ethnic. It's going to be full of, of people from all over the world. And we're going to become one group of people. And we're going to be transformed and live as a new creation united in Christ. I am thankful for that revelation. And Paul gave us that revelation while he was in jail. I'm thankful for the book we're in, the book of Philippians, because it conveys a powerful message about the secret of contentment. It addresses the world that we're living in today on how to be content and how to trust in God. I'm, I'm thankful that he wrote this. It's 
for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I am thankful for the book of Colossians, which establishes the lordship of Jesus Christ and that he is sufficient to meet every need that I would ever face. Aren't you thankful that we have one that is able and sufficient to meet every need? Has anyone here ever found that he is able? I am so thankful for that. I'm, I'm thankful for that little, short, powerful book of Philemon that talks about how the brotherhood of all of us, we are united, we are one under God. We are one in Christ Jesus. I, I, I just have to tell you, I'm thankful. Paul was thankful. He wasn't complaining. And I'm just gonna add my voice to that. Thank God that he was in prison. Thank God that he wrote these incredible letters that have instructed us in the ways of God. Uh, this, this letter uh, of Philippians, I probably read it through 10 or 15 times over the last couple of weeks. And I, I've been so thankful for it. I've been so thankful for the things that are taught there, the, the things that are in the word of God. And, and, and I'm thankful that I have it. And it's because Paul's plan didn't work out. We, we have this because Paul didn't have the opportunity to go in Rome. If he would have gone into Rome and started preaching, who knows, maybe he wouldn't have had time to write these letters. Maybe the things that he teaches would not have been given to him if he was going from house to house. I, I, I want you to listen to this. Just, just tell, tell your neighbor, listen to this. This is an important part of the message today. Houston, I want you to listen to this. Paul discovers new opportunities because of his bad day. He discovers new opportunities because of the situation he's in. He's able to write these letters because he is in jail. And this truly is where we find joy is when we find the purpose and the plan of God in my life. I want, I want to go on and read the rest of what he says in that particular passage, starting in verse number 13. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains... They're there because of the Roman Empire. They're there because of the Caesar. They're there because of, of all of the political circumstances. But look what Paul says here. My chains are in Christ. In other words, God knew what he was doing. Jesus knew what needed to take place. And here I am. And, and he goes on to say, and most of the brethren in the Lord having been having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Uh, I, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. I, I want you to listen to me. I, I don't like to tell you that there are bad days coming. I would be a, a selfish, foolish preacher if I didn't tell you there are bad days coming. That, that's part of life. This is what I want you to know about those. When the de bad days come, when the tough days are on you, look for the good. Can I ask you a question? Now, I have been a around church over the last few years as we have sung that song. Even when I don't see him working, even when I don't feel him. And you know what I feel every time? that the congregation sings that song, I feel joy. I feel happiness. I, I feel faith. And you know why we feel that? Because spiritually we know that even when we don't feel him, he is working. It's a confirmation of what our spirit is trying to tell us. And just a few minutes ago, sitting on that front row, while everybody is singing the song, I can feel the joy. Yes, Lord, yes, I know. I, you're working even when I don't feel you working. You're, you're, you're in the midst of it even when I can't see what's going on. And, and, and look for the good. Look for the good. This is what a mature follower of Jesus Christ says. I'm in a bad circumstance, the circle around me, the, 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 the things that are happening, but there's something good in this and I'm going to find it. I'm going to find what God has for my life. 
I'm going to have to find the purpose that God has for my life. The Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 says it like this. And we know, there's that word again, everybody say no. And we know, we learn, we understand that all these things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. We know, we know. I can stand here and tell you as someone that has been following Christ for many, many years, has pastored for 35 years, has given my life to this. This is what I know that in my worst days, when I look back on them, I can see that God was with me. That this is what I know. I, I'm sorry, I've proved it. That when I go through the difficult times and the tough times and the times that make me want to pull my hair out, I look back and I see that God is in it. And I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm not telling you that those bad days that I went through, that I was a champion. I was, ooh, I was all that. I was, I was Superman during those moments. I'm going to tell you right now, there's been some bad days where I was crazy crawled up in some place crying <laughs> where I was like, why? I, I've been in the wise. I know what I'm talking about. And even when I act that way, God is at work. I, I just want to ask you something. I, I'm, I'm looking at people here and some of you are new in Christ. Some of you are, you, you've followed Christ for many years. Is there anyone in this room that you have proven that God is with you even in the bad days? Let me, let me see your hand. Let me see a testimony today. How many of you have found that even in the days that are tough, that you've seen the hand of God move when you didn't expect it? Will, will you raise your hand in Houston if you've seen it here in Friendswood? What a testimony we have. So I'm going to stop asking why. I'm going to start asking what. And the third point is I'm going to focus on what really matters. I'm, I'm almost done here, so just stick with me for a few minutes. I, I'm going to focus on what really matters. Now, when I get up in the middle of the, the week or, or I, I get up, there, there's always a list of things that seem to matter, right? There's a lot of things like, like where am I going to eat cheese enchiladas? That, that's always something that matters. But, but the truth is that when we look at, at things through the eyes of eternity, there's really few things that really matter, right? Let, let me ask it like this. What would happen and what would you focus on if the doctor told you today you had 30 days to live? What would you focus on and what would really matter to you if you had 30 hours or if you had 30 minutes? Now, I, I've gone into many hospital rooms and I've talked to people that were at the door of death. I, I've, talked to, I've talked to great saints of God that were at the last moments of their life. And, and they didn't talk about trivial things. Hey, how about those Astros, Pastor? Hey, not trying to offend the Astro fans here, but really, it doesn't matter. Eternally, it doesn't matter. You know what they talked about was, Pastor, will you, will you pray for my family? Pastor, will you pray for my son? Will you pray for my daughter? Pastor, will you pray for my husband, my wife? Pastor, Pastor, I, I'm thankful for what God has done in my life. I, I am in the place. I, I've actually had saints of God say, Pastor, will you just pray that the Lord will go on and take me today because I am ready to go with what really matters. My dad died suddenly. He didn't have a moment where he stood in a hospital or laid in a hospital and talked about what matters. He, he lived his life for important things. But, but mother, on the other hand, went through um, several weeks in the hospital before she passed. And, and she knew she was going to die. She didn't want to die. As a matter of fact, everybody that came in the room and started to pray, she would say, now hold on a minute. Don't pray God's will to be done. Pray that God will heal me. <laughs> she wanted to live. But you know what she did? As she was in that hospital bed, eaten up with cancer, 
days to live, she'd say, Jimmy, will you call so-and-so? I'd go over and get the number. She called me Jimmy. She was the only person that ever has, ever will, I'm sure. Um, And I would call somebody, and then she'd get on the phone, and she would talk to them. She'd say, hey, I want you and your wife, or you and your husband, I want you to be at my hospital tomorrow. I want to talk to you. You know what she was doing? She was calling people that had trouble. She was calling people that had situations between each other where they were mad at each other. She called individuals that were holding things in their heart. And she would, in her moment of dying, talk straight to them and tell them, you need to forgive, you need to forget, you need to move on with your life. And I watched her Think about things that really mattered. Really mattered. Paul says it like this in verse 15 through 18. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife. In other words, hey, there's guys out there that are talking about me being in here in prison. And and there's guys that are envious of my ministry and, and they're doing everything to tear me down. And I know there's a lot of them out there that are just preaching from goodwill. The former, those guys that are full of envy and strife, are preaching from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter, the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? In other words, what really matters? What, what then? This is only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. And after Paul's gone through all of this, he comes down to what I would say is the ultimate joy. Philippians 1.21. For to me, in my life, here in the chains, not, not really wanting to be here, but this is what God has for me. To live is Christ. If, if I'm here, that I'm doing the will of Christ. And to die is gain. To die is gain? Yes, to die is gain because to die is to be with Christ. Pastor Bo preached a powerful message on hell a few weeks ago. I was in the Philippines. I listened to it. It, it was powerful. It was strong. Here, here's the other side of hell. There is a place of eternity, of eternal joy and eternal peace. And, and, and Paul is saying here, I, I want to live a life that is preparing to spend eternity with Jesus. And, and this is what I would say. If you're here today and this isn't the path that you're on, start today. Live your life of joy knowing that I'm going to be with him for eternity. How how do I do that? It's simple. You just start by repenting. I am not going to live the way that I have lived before. And I'm not going to be involved in the things that I've been involved in before I'm going to start today and turn my life. It, it, it's easy. It's just surrendering to Christ. You are my Lord. And to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Paul said it this way when he wrote to Timothy. My last scripture. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom to him be glory forever and ever. Paul, understanding there's coming a day of deliverance. Either either God's going to heal me, God's going to take me out of jail, God's going to preserve me when I'm beaten, when I'm stoned, when I'm shipwrecked, when I'm bitten by serpents, or there's going to come a day that my life on this earth will cease. But whatever that day is, it's going to be a deliverance. It's going to be a moment when I have victory in my life. To him be glory forever and ever. Stand with me.